Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Well, how many believe I ought to follow the Holy Ghost? I was going to teach on, I was going to wind up my thing on the basic doctrines of Christ. It's, it's kind of an unusual phenomenon in my life to pray and seek God and different messages I've found, especially in pastoring. God meets needs differently through the ministry of a pastor than He does through the ministry of an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, or teacher. It's just different. I can go to another church, I can go to Ireland or the Philippines, and basically my pastoral office kind of takes a back seat to my teaching office, and it's uh, about the only way to describe it is it's easier to get into the supernatural from that side. But as, as I teach here at Island Church, most of what I have to do or what, most of what I'm called to do is to feed the flock of God till what is feeding the flock of God makes the flock of God healthy. That your diet that you're getting is causing uh, health, health in your finances, health in your physical body. So my main prayer, especially because, uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know everybody, don't know everybody's situation or circumstance, but my main prayer is, Lord, you're going to have to help me to help your children, your people, your sheep. They're not my sheep, they're your sheep. You're going to have to help them to receive, to become healthy. And, and, and through a pastoral ministry, you get healthy by the Word of God. Now, in, in, I, I'm always conscious of when the Spirit of God touches something in my study, when I'm, when I'm uh, uh, listening to uh, teaching, when I'm praying. I'm always conscious when the, uh, the Word of God touches something because He'll touch something and it'll just flip me right back into a, into a mindset of that particular subject just being on my mind all the time. And I know God's dealing with me about that. So I begin to meditate on that, think on that, look up scriptures, you know, and, and, and next thing you know, I'm overwhelmed with all the information that's coming. Kind of like when we did the, uh, I think it was uh, a year ago in January, we did a, a, a series on the heart. Started that same way. I heard one phrase and that all that clicked off just like that. Well, in, in studying and listening to some teaching and in studying, one of the phrases used in the Gospels of Judas Iscariot, the man who, who denied Jesus and sold Jesus for, uh, for 30 uh, uh, silver coins. Um, in the Greek New Testament, it says that Satan hurled an un... How's, how's it say? He hurled an unresisted thought into his mind. He hurled it, an unresisted thought. into. Now, could you imagine somebody betraying Jesus on that level? That'd be pretty, you know, I mean, I'm sure we've all done our share of bad things, but, you know, I don't think anything would equal that. I mean, you know, he was called the son of perdition. His ministry was taken away. I mean, I don't know all the particulars of that, but obviously the, uh, the adversary, Satan, put a thought in his mind that was so strong and so irresistible that he acted on that thought to the point of the betrayal of the one that he'd followed for probably three years and seen all the miraculous, heard all the messages, not only the public messages, but the private messages. Amen. So it radically changed him, not for the good, but for the worst. 
Now, in, in understanding that, because I've always taught on renewing the mind, I've always taught on these things, but then the Lord began to bring up into my spirit things, you know, pe- things that I know, and I know there's things that I don't know, of people that are really struggling to receive from God, whether it be finances, a breakthrough in your marriage, your family, uh, whether it be a, a physical healing that you're believing God for. Many times we only progress up into the place in which a thought hinders us from actually entering into that which God has for us. Something holds us back. Something keeps us back. Uh, uh, in, in listening to some teaching, I was listening to a, a guy teach, and he was sick, and he was needing surgery, and he went to a meeting, a full gospel businessman meeting, and a man was there that was known for, for a powerful healing ministry. Now, now he went... And this man laid hands on him, and he said when this man laid hands on him, he said he felt the power of God begin to come up through his feet and begin to come up his calves and into his knees. And he said this thought came in his mind. That's not God. It's coming the wrong direction. He said when that thought hit my mind, that power stopped just like that. He said I ended up having to have the surgery. He said it cut off the healing power of God in my body. Now, this is not, this is not some, somebody that doesn't know what's going on. This is in a seasoned minister. This is in somebody that knows the Word of God, knows about God's healing power, struggling to make the decision on whether to have this surgery or not. And here he is, and God's ministering this anointing to him. But see, he said, the moment that thought hit my mind, just for a moment, I entertained it. And he said, later on, as I look back on it, I realized when I entertained it, unbelief rose up and stopped the power of God right there. You say, can it be that delicate? It can be. It can be. That's why you've got to be so careful with your mind and the thoughts that come into your mind because that's many times where the enemy stops the answer. It's in our minds. Now, I've got so many scriptures, Mark. I'm just going to get this started tonight, and we'll go as far as we can without going over time. And go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, then we'll go to Romans real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I'll just try to stay with these singular scriptures and stay on the subject. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Now notice that word things. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Now within that word things is whatever you need. Are you with me? What do you need from God? That's the things up there. Well, Pastor, I need healing in my body. I need a financial breakthrough. Uh, my mind's been tormented. I've, I've, had, I've, I've been having, having trouble sleeping. Uh, I have trouble with this addiction. I, I've got trouble with this. I've got trouble with this. Well, well, something is keeping you from receiving the things of the Spirit of God. You understand? Because God doesn't want to withhold them from you. There's no nature in God whatsoever that withholds. There's only a nature that gives. Uh, uh, listen to, I actually had the, almost a similar situation happen to me. But when I was in Bible school, Brother Osteen gave the testimony, John Osteen gave the testimony of his sister, who was a wonderful denominational Christian that loved God. Actually, she was Brother Osteen's first convert. After he got saved a few weeks later, he led his sister Mary to the Lord. Now, he had not seen her in several years, and he said that driving down the highway in Houston, that she uh, came to his mind, and the Lord spoke to her and said, your sister is tormented by a demon, by a devil, but today is her day of deliverance. 
So he went and dropped off the person that was with him, and he drove all the way to Dallas, prayed in the Spirit the whole way, went by and picked up a pastor that he knows, and he walked in there. He said when he walked in there, the power of God came into that room, and he said this. He said, I bind the devil that has put the thought in my sister's mind that she is suffering for Jesus. Now, when he, he said, when I said that, she jumped up out of the bed. Now, she hadn't walked in six months. She'd been in the bed for two weeks. She jumped up out of bed. They went and gathered her up, picked her up. She began to worship God and was totally restored. Now, in talking to her later, she said this. She said, I heard God's voice say, in the name of Jesus, I command that spirit that's telling you that you're suffering for Jesus to leave. And, and Brother Osteen said, I told her, no, 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 I said that. She said, no, you didn't say that. God said that. She said, no, no. He said, no, 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 I was there. I said that. She said, no, God said that. He said he was about to say it the third time. Then he realized that it was God's voice in his voice, speaking the word of God, that broke the bondage of that carnal mindset, that natural mindset given to her through religion that made her think she was suffering for Jesus. Amen. I had a pastor friend. Now his mother contracted cancer. And she was a good Christian denominational woman. And he sat by her bedside, held her hand, pleaded with her, Mom, please let me pray for you. And she's made the same statement. No, no. This is the way I'm going to glorify God. And he said he was so frustrated because he had to watch his mother die. She would not let go of that mindset. Now, we don't realize many times that, that we get set up by the enemy. If you've, if you've fought something over a period of years, if you've had a, a continual battle, say with diabetes, or you've been, you've been injured or hurt, you've, you've been fighting that injury off for several years, or you've, you've had a financial situation that goes on and on and on, and you're, you're just trying to get out of that financial situation, that thing will condition you, and it will put in you a set pattern of thinking that unless you break that pattern of thinking by the Word of God, then you're literally going to have a hard time receiving what God wants you to have. Now, there in Corinthians, just a few, few verses over, I mean a few uh, uh, verses back in the book of Romans. Go to Romans 8 real quick. Look at this in Romans 8. I'll tell you, God wants you healed. God wants you healthy. God wants you whole. And I'm telling you, he wants you to have it now. Everybody say now. Now notice, just, just to stay on the subject, look at uh, uh, Romans 8, verse 7. Well, we could back up to verse 5. This will help us. Verse 5, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. Do you see that? But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Now, anything life touches, it fixes. It's in the word life, human life, animal life, plant life. This is the word zoe. This is the life of God. And anything life touches, it fixes. It makes it whole. It does whatever God wrought through Jesus, His redemptive work, 
It does it right then and there. If life can just get to it, if we can just get the life of God to it, it's going to be okay. It's going to be fixed. Everybody say fixed. Now notice this. It says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now notice this. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. Listen to it in the Amplified. That is because the mind of the flesh with its carnal thoughts and purposes is hostile to God. For it does not submit itself to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Did not say it will not. It said it cannot. So once you begin to realize, my mind is fighting me. My mind is not, not, you can throw it all off on the devil, and the devil does get involved in those things if you let him, if you open the door to him. You know, in, in thinking about, I believe we're fixing to see a wonderful move of God with not only healings being manifested, but a lot of people being filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, I have, I've had opportunity here recently. I was in a man's office the other day, and we're just sharing some things with him, and he's a, he's a man that loves God, really loves the Lord, and, and, but, but doesn't have uh, light on some of the things we have light on. And as I began to tell him, I told him two different stories. And, and when I got to them, he said this. He said, my God. He said, look at the goosebumps all over me. Look at the goosebumps all over me. And I knew what it was. It was the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. But I know in the natural that he's had a ton of teaching. That if you, you know, if you speak in tongues, you're, you're just, you know, you're, you're pretty close to a mental institution. You know, that that, that 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 was done away with the last apostle that, you know, we don't do those things. And, uh, but you don't realize, you don't realize one of the realities of the Holy Spirit, and I, I've not taught on this like I should, but to reject the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now listen to this very carefully. I can back it up by Scripture. But this may help change somebody's thought. To resist the baptism in the Holy Ghost, which is the first doctrine the church was birthed in. Which, now listen to this, when Jesus stepped up to receive his reward for suffering, for dying, for suffering in hell, and for being raised from the dead, when he stepped up for his reward, when God was going to exalt him and reward him, what did he give him? He gave him the Holy Ghost. He gave him the Holy Ghost. And what did he do with it? He did what his nature commanded. He gave it. That's what Peter said. He said, this is that which uh, he had received from the Father, which he's poured out on. Listen, when you reject the baptism in the Holy Ghost, you're rejecting the reward that Jesus earned through all of his work on the cross, in the tomb, and when he rose from the dead. You're saying, I don't want that. I don't want that reward. He got that reward for you through all that suffering. Can I get a better amen? Now, Pentecostal people, they'll shout over that. But there's a lot of people who have, who have resisted and have thought, I don't want that, and, and that's not for me. It is a mindset that blinds you. Now, now, real quick, let me find the Scripture. I've got too many, too many of them marked. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, before we read that, you don't have to go there, but in, in 2 Kings chapter 5, there's the story of a man named Naaman the leper. Now, Naaman was not a Jew. He wasn't Jewish, which means he had no covenant with God. Now, 
they had, they had gone uh, on raids into, into, the, into the Judean uh, area and had brought away a little maid. They had captured her, and she became a, a, a maid for his wife. Now, she made the statement of if Naaman, if, if the master, if he could get to the prophet, he could get healed. Supernaturally. Leprosy key. This guy, this man's dying of leprosy. It's eating up his life. He, he's, he's, a, he, he's all of his uh, training, his position, his, his lot in life. None of that can help him. None of it can help him. So he goes and he finally gets to the prophet's house and he knocks on the door and the servant comes to the door and says, go down to the Jordan River, River and dip seven times and your flesh shall come again whole upon you. Amen? Well, that's easy enough, especially if you're dying. But the Bible says he went away mad, angry. And then it says at one point he was, he was you know, he gave expression to that. He's having a temper tantrum. But in his anger, he identified his problem. He said, I thought. Now, if he would have hung on to that thought, see how that thought blocked God's healing power. The God that created the heavens, the God that created the earth, the God that sets the, the, sets the moon and the stars in the sky, you'd think he could overcome a human thought. But he didn't and he couldn't. That one thought kept him a leper. That one thought kept him a leper. Uh, let me try, somebody needs to hear this tonight. That one thought kept him a leper. But thank God he got some more information, what, which did what? It forced him to challenge that thought, and when he changed his thought and obeyed the word, he got healed just like that. Now, 2 Corinthians, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have received mercy and faint not, we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of truth, Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. Now notice this. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Everybody say lost. Now notice. In whom the God of this world. Now first of all, this ought to be a revelation to you. You say, what is it? There is a quote, God of this world. Now if you study this, you'll see it's not God Almighty. It's not God with a big G. It's, it's, and it's not the planet Earth. It's the God with a little g, or the ruler of the little g, or the one with dominion with a little g, over the cosmos or the world system. Are you with me? The Bible says the earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof. God, own, God, owns, God owns the mountains of Guatemala. He owns, the, he owns Galveston Bay. He, that's all His. But there is a system in this world that was supposed to be the God-human system placed upon the earth, and the big God with a big G was replaced with a little God with a little G. Amen. And the dominion and the authority of that system was given over to Satan. But thank God 2,000 years ago Jesus died, redeemed us to pull us out of that and give us the dominion and authority of it back. Now we must exercise that. But now notice what this says. That the God of this world has blinded. It doesn't say the eyes. It says what? The mind. Of them which believe not, least the light 
of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, whatever area you're struggling, oh, man, can I say that? Be merciful. Mm, mm, mm. Whatever area you're struggling in to receive, you need to begin to ask yourself, what thoughts are in my mind that are keeping me from the life of God because the thoughts in my mind that are keeping me from the life of God find their entity in disobedience. There are some areas I am not obeying God because of the way I'm thinking. I'm blinded. My mind is blinded and I cannot see what my obedience will produce. Now we know this is talking about the world. This is talking about getting people saved. But I want you to know the denominational world is blinded. They're blind. People get up all the time. They'll get up on Easter Sunday and they won't talk about the glory of God. They'll talk about the glory that was, but they won't talk about the glory that is. They'll talk about what Jesus did 2,000 years ago, but they'll tell you that he's not doing anything today. But my Bible says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? The same healing power, the same restoring power, the same power to deliver, the same power to cast out devils. It didn't die with the last apostle. If that were true, that means the kingdom of Satan is stronger and God's kingdom is weaker. But I got good news. It didn't die with the last apostle. It goes on and on and on and gets stronger and stronger. And I'm telling you, in the last 15 or so years, the enemy has worked overtime to try to blind the eyes of all kinds of believers to the glorious light of the gospel. Amen? Well, I know sometimes people say, well, you know, you're talking about money all the time. Talk about tithing. All. Listen, if you don't tithe and you don't offer, every time I say anything about it, you're not going to be comfortable. You're going to be uncomfortable because it's challenging a place where you're blinded. And in order to maintain that blind spot, you've got to remain disobedient. So it creates a discomfort because a conviction comes. But here's the problem. The more you override that conviction, the more you override it and continue to remain blind, the easier it is. And so you never really get the breakthrough financially. You never find a place of obedience. And you really, you may come to church and you sing and you, and you want to be a part, but in reality, I'd, just, I'd rather not because there's been some times I've went there when I didn't leave feeling too good. Amen. And you know, everybody wants to blame it on a preacher. But it may not be the preacher, it may be the food. You say, what do you mean by that? Because when the Word of God comes, it does, it corrects, it instructs, it reproves, it corrects in righteousness. So men and women of God can be what? Mature and perfectly furnished, or, or thoroughly furnished. So we'll hear things and we'll think, oh my God, you know, I don't know if I like that or not. I, but see, what God's trying to do, there's nothing in His nature that tries to harm, tries to hurt. Everything He's trying to do is trying to get you to line up with His program. So by being obedient to His program, that which He set in His Word. I, was, I remember uh, uh, being around Dr. Oral Roberts. He was one of the really strong men of God that really, you know, said, you know, Rusty, one dime out of every dollar. If you, if you, one dime out of every no, dollar. No matter what you get into, no matter how much money, no matter how little money, one dime. And he's just But then when he taught on that, because I listened to him teach on it, I wanted to hear his teaching. And he got over to Malachi chapter 3. 
and he began to talk about how the devourer is rebuked and, and how the windows of heaven, those are those same windows that the flood came through. That he'd pour you out a blessing that you could not contain. I always wondered about that. Do you ever wonder about, how, how can I get a blessing? I could, man, I, give me a billion, give me a trillion. Amen, you ever thought about? Pour out. Actually, that means God will bless you so strong, you cannot live enough years on the earth to contain all of the blessing. So he's going to bless your children. He's going to bless your grandchildren. It's going to be perpetual in your life. Amen. But then you get back up in the front part of the scripture, and the Bible says, will a man rob God? And you think to yourself, well, how can I rob God of $100? God doesn't, God doesn't need my $100. He doesn't need your $100. He doesn't need your $1,000. He doesn't need your $5,000. But what you rob God of. Now, now, Dr. Roberts, he broke that thing down. He went into the Greek, and he said this. He said, literally what this scripture is talking about is a mother nursing a child. Because doctors even tell you that the best milk for, a, for an infant child is the mother's milk. And so the child nurses and nurses and nurses and nurses and gets so full that it throws up everything it nurses. Now that word rob is that word that denotes that child throwing all that nutrients, all of the vitamins, all of the good things that's in that milk. She just robbed the mother of doing what the mother's supposed to do. Getting real quiet in here now. Amen. I mean, all of the, all of the, uh, I think the, the, the most powerful uh, 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 thing that the mother's milk does is to create the immune system. It builds the immune system in that child. So when that child nurses on that mother, nurses on that mother, and, and then just throws all that milk up because it's nursed too much, it's robbed the mother of imparting to the child what that child needs to build that immune system. And that's exactly what that scripture in Malachi says. Will a man rob God? Rob God of what? Rob God of his ability to open the windows of heaven for you. Rob him of his ability to rebuke the devourer. Rob him of his ability to cause your seed not to cast itself before its time in the field. You're tying his hands. Amen. You're tying his hands and telling him, well, you know, I'm going to figure out another way here, God. And it never works. It never works. Now, again, notice what it says. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that what? Believe not. What you believe is working for you. What's not working for you is what you believe not. Now let me try that again. What you believe is working for you. What's not working for you is what you believe not. Is everybody here? <laughs> Everybody's kind of looking at me like, oh, my God. I'm trying to help you receive from God. I mean, I've got to wear this thing before you hear it. That means I'm correcting things in my life right now. Which believe not least. Now, here we go again. The light or the life of the glorious gospel, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So any area of your life, you're not letting the light into Now let me say that again. Any area of your life you're not letting the light into, then what dominates that area is darkness. 
But the Bible says of our redemptive right in Christ, our redemptive rights in Christ, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. What is the power of darkness? Now, now, now hold on. This, this may help somebody tonight. What is the power of darkness? The power of darkness is its ability to keep you in a place in your mind in which you're unwilling to progress beyond that through obedience. That invites darkness. Come on in, darkness. Because wherever you're disobedient, that gives a platform or gives a ground for the enemy continuing to bring more things into your life that you may even have had light on at one time that you no longer have light on and you just don't want it no more. Disobedience grows disobedience stronger than obedience grows obedience. You say, why? Because of our mindsets. And the problem, I tell you, I know this like I know my name. The problem is you think you get away with something. Amen. When I was a young teenager and started getting away from God, I thought I was getting away with something. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, every one of us that grew up in that powerful church in which we probably had, had more revelation than, than, than most of the people in the world had on things of the Spirit, the move of God. We had witnessed and experienced the glory of God all of our young lives. And still the darkness got in. And still the darkness got in. Crept in there. And from that platform of darkness, what happened? More darkness. And more darkness. And more darkness. And more. Till I was so blind, I couldn't see nothing. I couldn't see God in anything. I didn't want anything to do with God. I was in total rebellion against God, my parents, society, you name it, myself. I was in total rebellion against all of it. And I got blinder and blinder and blinder. Till one day, one day, God turned the light back on. And I responded to it. And when I responded to it, then where all that darkness was, it started to get lighter and lighter and lighter. And I noticed the more light it got, the more I had to obey. The more I had to get rid of what I thought. My idea, my plan, my will, how I thought about things, how I thought about people. I had to get rid of it. And the more I got rid of it, the more light came. The more light came, the more I could see. And it's really that simple. Now, I know, because when God began to deal, I'm not going to teach anymore because there's so much to this. If I overwhelm you with too much information, then you won't get nothing. But I know there are people here, and God loves you so much and has so much compassion, but you're in this great struggle. Maybe it's for healing. Maybe it's for finances. Maybe it's just to find your way. You know what I'm, I'm saying? What do you mean? You say, what do you mean? Just to find the will of God. What is the will of God for me? Maybe it's to recover from something. I don't know whatever it is. But every one of us have an area in our life we need the provision of God to come in and do something for us. Amen. Now, I don't want to be resistant to that. I've learned over the years to be less and less and less and less resistant. Hadn't got there yet. Hadn't arrived yet. Nobody ever does. But we live our life trying to be more and more yielded to God. Where when we live out our life, at the end of our life, we ought to be so yielded to God that death is really not that big of a change. We close our eyes here and open our eyes there. 
Amen. Now, if you're struggling, you say, Pastor, I tell you, I've been going through this thing some of you months, some of you years. Then ask yourself a simple question and ask, as you ask yourself, ask the Lord. Because you come to the Father. Look, how many realize we, we've taught enough on prayer? Listen, you pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. So you go to the Father in the name of Jesus and you say, Heavenly Father, I'm your child. I'm here tonight and I have this issue, this struggle, this thing going on in my life. And I need, if you don't show up, there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I can do. There's no help. There's no hope. There's nothing there. And I know you. You love me. You care about me. You want to take me from this place where I'm at and bring me into the place of your provision so this thing that's causing the suffering in my body, in my finances, in my marriage, in my job, in my ministry, whatever it may be, what's causing the suffering gets alleviated by your supernatural power so that I get the benefit of the power and you get the glory of the testimony. So what is it in my mind? Amen. What is it in my mind? It may be I've had God deal with me on character issues, my love walk, all kinds of things. But you tell God, you say, Lord, I'll consecrate to you that whatever it is, if you'll turn the light on it, I'll deal with it. Now, here's how you deal with it. We pray to the Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. But we fellowship with Jesus. Did you get what I just said? We hang around with Jesus. We fellowship. How do you do that? Here he is right here. Here he is. You tell him, Lord, I'm going to fellowship with your son, the one who has the scars on his hand, the one who has the, uh, the scar on his side, the one whose blood is upon the mercy seat, the one that gives me access to you. I'm going to start fellowshipping with him more than I've ever fellowshiped with him. I'm going to dig. I'm going to search. I'm going to seek. I'm going to ask. I'm going to knock. I'm going to find out what it is in my peanut brain that is stopping the grandeur and the glory of Almighty God, the God of creation, from entering into this situation and giving me the miracle that I need. Because the problem is not in the sender, the problem's in the receiver. It's in the reception. There's no problem with the sending. He's already given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Through the precious promises of God, we become partakers of the divine nature. So you make a decision. I'm gonna and sometimes you've got to make a decision to do that, and you've got to, you've got to make a decision. I'm going to do it to the point of discomfort. When it's not convenient, I'm going to be digging in that Word. When it's not convenient, I'm going to be coming to church. I'm going to listen to the Word taught. I'm going to read the Word. I'm going to meditate on the Word. I'm going to hang out with Jesus. I'm going to hang out with Jesus. He's going to be with me everywhere I go. He's going to be, I'm going to replace my, my thoughts with His thoughts. I'm not going to think my thoughts. Lord, every thought that's in my mind. Now, if there's a problem there with the adversary, then you take authority over it. And if you can't get any help, then you come to me and I'll take authority over it. But sometimes people need help. And we'll give you help. But don't let, oh my goodness, something with more, no more material than the air between my fingers. A thought. Did you know there are people that with a thought, they'll die and go to hell. There are Christians that with a thought, they'll stay powerless their whole life because somebody put a thought in their mind that these things aren't for today, that you don't need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They put a thought in their mind. 
There's people that are, that are struggle financially their whole lives. Never have a breakthrough because of the thought in their mind. Well, tithing's not for today. I can't afford to give. Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways, your ways. As, my, as the heavens are high above the earth, so are my thoughts higher. Tell God, I want to think higher thoughts. I want to quit thinking my thoughts. If your thoughts keep you in bondage, if your thoughts keep you in, uh, depressed, if your thoughts keep you sick, if your thoughts keep you broke, then you ought, to, you ought to not value your thoughts so much. I found out a long time ago, my thoughts really don't, on, on the scale of what's worth something, my thoughts ain't worth much. Not at all. But I found some thoughts that are. Because those thoughts have power in them. And those will help set you free. Amen. Did you receive something tonight? Did that help you? Well, give the Lord a shout as you stand on your feet. Amen. Praise God. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. Now, Lord, don't let us be passive listeners. Let us be active hearers. Let us listen to and draw on what your word says tonight. And, Father, where there are areas in our lives where our carnal mind, our carnal self is blocking the light and the life of God, Lord, we consecrate ourselves to pray to you, Heavenly Father, and to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ and to bring our thoughts in line with your thoughts, to submit our thoughts to your thoughts, to yield to your thoughts and reject thoughts of doubt and unbelief. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you that it will go beyond just the renewing of our mind, but it will bring us into a place and a position of being able to unrestrainedly receive from you on every level. Lord, we choose to think your thoughts when it comes to protection and safety. We think Psalms 91, not what the news says, not what statistics tell us. We think Psalms 91. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Angels have charge over We think Luke 10. You give us the power to walk on serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means harm us. So, Father, we thank you as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways, or any other way of travel or transportation. Thank you, Father. We are protected. We think protected. Father, we thank you in the righteous labor of our hands. We think we think whatever our hand touches will prosper. We think, Lord God, we're not subject to trauma, a terror, evil plans of wicked men, accidents of any kind. We, Father, our thoughts are towards you. We abide under the shadow of the Most High, safe and protected, steady upon the rock of God. Lord, let our thoughts be toward evangelism. Let our thoughts be toward the fire of God. Lord, as this Easter Sunday dawns, let us think, who can we invite? Who can we call out? Who can we minister to? Who can we be a blessing to? Who is praying tonight, saying, oh God, I need an answer. Who can we be an answer to their prayer? A problem to the adversary, a miracle in someone's life. Lord, as we leave tonight, our thoughts are of you. You love us. You care for us. You're mindful of us. You know that we're weak. But where we're weak, you make us strong. We thank you for it, Father. We leave tonight walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. Our thoughts are toward where you have placed us and planted us, where we can grow and develop, Father. We leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www 
www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.